Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week on this show, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate right along with us, watch the movie, and listen to the discussion. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined this week by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Roland. Hey. And today's movie was Christine's suggestion. It was Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. Uh, we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Aaron, what have you been watching lately? Uh, lately, you know, uh, Amber bought the uh, Discovery Plus, and so she has been watching a ton of 90, 90 Day, Day Fiance. Fiance. Yeah, and <laughs> as soon as you said Discovery yeah. Plus, I knew where that was going. Oh. Yeah, and so like I've I've been seeing it in passing, and then yesterday they roped me into an episode, and and now I need to know what happens, right? So I watched a little bit of that, and and outside of that, I watched the documentary on the uh, Cecil Hotel, and that that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the Cecil Hotel in the last uh, the last episode, but Zach hasn't seen it yet, so uh, I'm not going to give away everything about it. I only do that when I Alicia watches Zach- something. Thank you. Uh, Alicia, <laughs> what have you been watching lately? <laughs> well, I have not watched the Cecil Hotel yet, and I'm also wanting to watch it, so thank you for staying quiet. Oh, so at the end. Uh-huh, um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, How has Zach not been there? We need like yeah. a like a jar. Everybody puts a dollar mm-hmm. in when they spoil something for somebody That's else. That's true. <laughs> oh, spoil and jar. then we can buy Amazon yeah. batteries with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll send you an Amazon battery every time I spoil oh something. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> Nine volt. Not worth it. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see what kind of Amazon battery. Uh huh. Here's a lantern <laughs> battery. Enjoy. Oh god. All right. <laughs> Uh, so we finished The Stand. Uh, it was okay. I mean, loved the book. I didn't watch the, I'm guessing it was mid-90s, early 2000s, Gary Sinise original miniseries of it. Didn't watch that. This is the only um, visual depiction I have seen of The Stand uh, after reading the book. And I thought it was fine. There were some good things to it. But some of it was just kind of tough because, as we've kind of talked about before, some of the story is kind of hard in today's world to kind of depict in the same way and so there was some awkwardness about some character choices and things like that too but it was fine I mean it was nice to kind of see it depicted I thought that Alexander Skarsgård did a really good job um, because that's not an easy role to play uh, for the for the big baddie Um, he's very understated as he is Um, something else we watched uh, was the raid 2 oh yeah yeah, and and we had watched the raid, gosh, probably over a year ago. I would say we watched the first one, and we had not watched the second one. Uh, but we got home from somewhere, and we'd had a few drinks. And for me, that sometimes means bedtime for Bonzo. So we were trying to figure out a movie, and I said, "It's got to have some action." 
we gotta have something to keep me awake. So the raid do, and so that has some action. Some action. (laughs) Very cringeworthy action. I mean, fantastic, but it's one of those that I'm like, I need a long break before I ever watch this again. Like, loved it. So funny story. When the second one was out in theaters, I was getting ready to review it, and I had not seen the first one, and I ended up watching the first one with my wife, and. We finished it that afternoon, and we loved it so much, we went immediately to the theater and watched the second one. Wow. Well, and, you know, we didn't remember a ton from the first one. I don't think it was really all that necessary to remember much from the first one, which was fine. They, They fight. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like there's a raid. There's what two characters in common maybe, and that really has nothing to do with what's going on in the story anyway. Um, but I, I'm a huge John Wick fan, and so you know that was something that was kind of recommended because of those movies um, yeah. some time back, and and obviously they've had a big influence on those movies coming out. So yeah, I mean, love the raid too, but I mean physically, like as you watch it, you can't help like manifesting things like cringing and ducking and you know things like that and uh yeah i mean the sound the sound editor uh, wow i mean that's and how they make things look like these constant shots that are just you know uh one continuous shot instead of cutting it and how they make it look like your arm is going a direction it shouldn't and all you know all these things and uh yeah it's great i mean it's an amazing feat of of cinema you know it's just fantastic but i mean definitely like we we've talked about many times on this show not a movie for everyone i mean i know a lot of people that would have turned that off in in five minutes you know what i mean but but if you're into that kind of thing it's fantastic yeah i i think you'd probably figure out pretty quickly on either of those movies if if it wasn't for you um it, it you know it it pretty much it pretty much is what it is the entire yeah. time so if it exactly if if it's not for you in five minutes it's not going to change it's not like the uh, is, uh, the ending of uh, the Uh-oh. get the jar here comes a battery <laughs> uh, I was going to say uh, 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 <laughs> the uh, once upon a time in Hollywood ending right it does go a different direction but I mean if you know Quentin Tarantino his often end up there yeah so <laughs> that wasn't too much of a myth. you're just waiting for how it was going to happen then that way right. but you mentioned <laughs> uh you mentioned you had watched the raid way yeah. back when have you seen uh carl urban's dread no i have i have, mm. I have. Yes. Very it similar. was good it's, okay. it was good it's awesome all right. Yeah, you should, you should look a good way the hell better than stallones okay absolutely oh, i mean come on yeah, there's been a lot of uh, of sort of fan petitioning over the years to get a sequel to Dread because um, people liked it so much. And it's another yeah. one that would benefit from, um, like, The Raid is a fantastic movie. The Raid 2 actually has a lot more plot and a lot more kind of substance to it. And, uh, you know, with a bigger budget, they could have done that with Dread, uh, with a Dread sequel as well, so... That, that could have been fun to see, but I think it's been long enough now. I think that was like 2012 or something that that movie came out. Mm. Um, so it's been a while now. Um, they probably won't end up getting to do another one. but Because um, Dread came second, right? Yeah. 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 Raid came first, and then they basically modeled it. Uh, well, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, but they certainly... 
pretty much had the same plot. Between the no, the raid came before Dread. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dread and and Raid One are pretty much one to one. Little deviations, but yeah. pretty much the same movie, just with uh, AD twenty fifty. Right. Over it. But Raid was not influenced by Dread. Uh, it had not come out at that point. Um, Never know. Um, they're doing a lot of things now where they're taking older films and developing them into television series. Like I could see Carl Urban doing a Amazon series Dread and being very successful with it if Amazon took that leap, you know? It, yeah, it's I, like I don't know if they could, if that would sustain well over a series. I, f- I kind of feel like it would be it, w- it would sort of turn into the Netflix Punisher, which isn't the worst idea, but I don't think it would be the same sort of that same sort of feel as because the thing with Dread is that it, it, it bears such a resemblance to the raid because of how low of a budget it had. They just have like the one location and that's it. And so they just make it the siege story with uh Cersei Lannister at the top waiting for him. Uh, so, uh, Josh, what yeah. have you been watching? Oh, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I was very sudden. Uh, I, uh, there's a, there's a pair of directors, uh, Benson and Moorhead. Oh, they, we did spring, uh, by the, yep. uh, on this podcast, their latest movie, Synchronic, uh, has come out and, um, it's Anthony Mackey and, um, Probably some other people if I put my mind to it, but uh, it's about a street drug that literally transports you to another time when you take it. Um, and uh, one of the main character's daughter uh, takes it and gets lost in time. So Anthony Mackie is trying to figure out how to retrieve her. Um, I but- saw a review of that. Uh, I yeah. think they did it on Half in the Bag. And their review basically convinced me that I was not interested in it. Interested? It's it's good sci-fi. Um, I like I like those directors and how they work their stuff. It sounded um, it sounded a little bit like Looper, like just in general the plot had kind of a I could see bouncing that. around I in could, time idea to it. I, yeah, I could see that. It's uh, it's a little less. Like it doesn't have a lot of time travel rules in it, like Looper does. Yeah, um, doesn't get bogged down in the like. Well, if I do this, will this happen? Kind of thing. But um, uh, also, would really like to quickly say, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, is really good. Um, if you get a chance to check that out, I saw it on uh, HBO Max. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, just another great former Lakeith Stanfield. And Lakeith like, Stanfield, yeah. Can these guys make a bad movie? I don't know. Um, but, I don't uh, know, man. They're good. They're so good. Anyway, I'd recommend both of those. You know, uh, it's funny you brought them up, the uh, the Moorhead and Benson. Mm-hmm. I I just uh, recently in this uh, this pack of movies I get every month, They I just got the movie Resolution. Oh, I, I love Resolution. <laughs> Man, that movie was weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if y'all haven't seen that, y'all need to look it up. It is so messed up. Very low budget. Very, very low budget. Yeah. But I liked it for what it was. Yeah. Nathan, how about you? Uh, I'll talk about two things. Uh, I probably saw, or Alicia and I watched both together, uh, what was probably my favorite movie of the year, which was Minari. Uh, right now, it's kind of hard to see unless you either go in the theater or you actually have to register and 
get a screening time literally from the movie studio and they you know for like 20 bucks you can watch it within a four-hour window at your home um minari so it's got uh um the guy from ken yong is that his name no steven yun steven yun (laughs) very different ken yong very different but yes similar name okay uh but anyways he's kind of the the lead character of sorts but it's really more of an ensemble thing he's the most recognizable of the cast i guess um and he plays a uh a patriarch of a of small family two kids and a mom who move away from sexting sexing chickens which is basically uh trying to determine if little baby chicks are boys or girls before they go on to the tyson plant in arkansas yeah uh, anyway, so he buys a farm and continues sexing chickens, but uh, wants to build this garden and everything. And it's it's an emotional roller coaster, uh, and it's one of those it's one of those great movies. And, and I think Nomadland kind of fits in this as well. But it's one of those movies that is just existential enough that like it makes you think about your world around you and, and what you're doing in your life and things you've had happen in your life. It's just one of those great films that I think everybody ought to take a chance and watch. It's, you know, the bulk of it is in Korean. So you do have to read a lot of subtitles, but there's really not that much to read. And it's really pretty great. Uh, my favorite character being the grandma that they bring in uh, midway through the movie uh, to live with them and watch the kids a little bit. She's just a hoot the whole way through. Um, so Minari totally recommend it. And then the other thing I'm going to talk about briefly is, uh, I was, I was a little skeptical about watching Bridgerton. Uh, I did watch Bridgerton. I got through the first episode and I was like, all right, maybe I'll sit and watch another episode. And then I watched the second episode and then I kept watching. And by the time it was done, I was like, you know, I'm in, this was pretty damn good. Um, I, I mean, it, it's very soap opera y. I mean, if you if you're not down for that, like I, I that's I think why I was dreading the most. I was like, if this is like another Melrose place in, you know, period piece time frame, I'm just not really down for this. But there's enough basic storyline with the main characters that gets you gets you through it. Um, and there's particular actors and actresses in it. Uh, in particular, the the Duke is very good. And uh, the queen, and then the 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 lady who like raised the duke, whatever her name is, I, I don't know what what her it's character, like Lady Danforth, or Lady something. Danforth or something. Uh-huh. All really great acting. I mean, so I I'm, I'm going to just go ahead I'm and say, breast tenderness just thinking about it, guys. Oh, stop! <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and it's got some saucy moments. So you know, if you're out for that, I guess you can enjoy that. But I mean. It really is just kind of a fun little show to watch. I, I I enjoyed it. It didn't overstay its welcome at all. I was into it. So there you go. So um, between you guys talking about The Raid and uh, a Stephen Yen movie, um, you should check out a movie called Mayhem. that came out in 2017. Um, I see Aaron and Josh both nodding their heads. I know Aaron and I both saw it on uh, Joe Bob's uh, show on Shudder. Mayhem is a movie about a virus spreading through an office complex and people going all Patman Bateman on one another to rise through the ranks and beat the virus and come out as the 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 best capitalists at the at the at the corporation. Um, over so what the ensues? Top, what's that? So what ensues? 
Is this Glenn Gary Glenn Ross with fighting? Uh, it's it's like closers get coffee. It, it, it's it's more like <laughs> the raid meets American Psycho. Uh, like people going completely bananas, like killing their coworkers who are becoming zombified and um, and becoming extra aggressive. It's an action comedy horror movie. Um, it, it's got Samara Weaving, who was in the Babysitter movies and Ready, uh, Ready or Not. But Steven my, Yen my, is the the main character. Well, we loved him, and I mean, I watched The Walking Dead, but but um, I, yeah, I, I did thought too, he was great. He was in, on it. I know, but I thought he was great in Burning. We went and saw Burning, I guess, a year Burning. and a half ago, whenever that came out, and and loved it. Thought he did such a great job in that, so we were excited to see him in this. Yeah, we're kind of at that point where if something's coming out of uh, Korea, as far as film goes, we're probably going to jump on board just to see if it's measuring up because it, we've seen probably like five or six really good films from that country. Although I think technically Minari was uh, an American film. That was some of the controversy with it is that it was made here, but it's being nominated for best foreign film because of the language and things like that. But it it is a Korean filmmaker or or Korean American anyway. Sure. Oh, so it's a, it's in the Korean language then. Yes. Yeah. The story, I mean, so it's about a, a farmer that moves to Arkansas to raise a farm. Well, Essentially, he's telling the the director's telling the story of his dad. Yes, um, it's semi autobiographical, so. and everything within the family is they're mostly speaking Korean, but obviously they're gotcha. interacting with other people in the community in English and things like that. Well, mayhem! Um, if you don't have a Shutter subscription to go back and watch the Joe Bob version of it on demand, um, it's three bucks on Amazon, uh, and it's well worth watching, especially like. The movies you're talking about, this would be right up your alley. So. Bridgerton, the Bridgerton. Bridgerton, yeah, <laughs> Bridgerton, <laughs> yes, that too. Especially Bridgerton. Okay. Um. So uh, I wanted to talk about uh, two television series that I watched. Uh, I just finished watching The Undoing, which I know a lot of people on here have seen before. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, uh, for the most part. It's not great, but it's it's good. Um, it's another one where, uh, you know, like we were kind of saying um, on the last episode, uh, it's only six episodes. So even if it's not great, it it's not that big of a commitment. Uh, I think six episodes was perfect. I think it needed to be no longer than that. It They treat it like... Uh, um, it's on HBO Max. I think it's an HBO original. And they treat it like it's going to be a season, like they're going to have a second season of it potentially. And I don't know if that means the same family's coming back or if it's going to go, uh, you know, more of the the Fargo route of, or, you know, or the, uh, the, the sort of uh, anthology type of style where it's another kind of similar story. Um, I talked before about the uh, uh, the Dirty John anthology series that had a second season that had nothing to do with Dirty John, but had kind of a similar idea to it, uh, or you know, kind of like the American Crime Story style, um, where there's a different uh, true crime uh, story that they're dramatizing in each season. 
Uh, but the one I really wanted to talk about and highly recommend is The Sinner Season 3. Uh, the Sinner, uh, if, if, for those of you who have not seen any of it, um, that is a quasi-anthology series in that uh, the only connection between the three seasons is that the lead detective in all three of the cases, each season being its own case, uh, is the same person played by Bill Pullman. Uh, the first season is uh, about a character played by Jessica Biel, and it is fantastic. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's it's probably her best performance uh, ever. She's an executive producer on the show uh, still, even though she hasn't appeared on it since the end of season one. Um, they also have in common uh, a sort of jumping around in chronological uh, time format thing going to them. So in the third season, uh, there's a murder that happens in the first episode, but then we learn a lot more about that night in future episodes. And we learn a lot more about the past of those two characters, the murderer and the, uh, the victim uh, as the story goes on. The main character, the, the sort of, uh, the suspect character in the third season is played by Matt Bomer. Uh, he is, uh, the only other things that I've seen him in are Ryan Murphy productions. He's in a bunch of the American horror story, uh, seasons. And he was also, I think in the American crime story on Versace. I think he was like one of the many boyfriends of, uh, the serial killer on, on the Versace story. I think so. He was a star of White Collar, wasn't he? What's White Collar? That's that USA that show. show for like mm -hmm. seven years on USA. I, I didn't watch that one. I don't have USA. He's, but um, He's also in, what's the movie with the strippers with Josh Harnett or whatever? No, is it Josh? Not Josh Harnett. Magic Mike? Magic Mike. He's in Magic Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he is in Magic Mike. <laughs> Which Channing I, Tatum. I like those movies. Channing Tatum, thank you. I like those movies. Uh, the second one especially. I think the second one's... Well, XXL. XXL. I think the second one's more of what people thought the first one was going to be, where the first one is like a Steven Soderbergh bummer movie um, <laughs> instead of fun stripper <laughs> guy stuff. Yeah. Um, Somewhere there's a picture of Aaron and I uh, being first in line to see Magic Mike XXL at our AMC. Yeah. And uh, I actually had to tell a group of women sitting next to us to be quiet about 15 <laughs> minutes in because they were making oh, horrible, God. horrible comments at the screen about how they should just put a bag over Channing Tatum's head and then he'd be the oh. perfect man. I was like, wow. you guys have got to shut the fuck up now. Yeah, like this but you have your to know what room. you're getting into when you're going to see that movie with a crowd. Uh, I mean, I come on! Don't have to put up with other people riffing the movie while I'm okay. watching it. That that <laughs> that that much I I I will not I will not put up with. Like okay, catcalling and 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 squeeze are fine, but. Uh, 
beyond that. Which you guys were doing in space. Which we were doing. Aaron and I were holding hands the whole way through. Oh, uh, my God. Uh-oh. It was really awkward because our wives But back to the center. Um, so, yeah, we really derailed here. Uh, Love it. This, this is uh, by far the best thing I've ever seen Matt Bomer in. He is electrifying in this this season of the center um his character is super interesting um you understand why bill pullman is fascinated by him um even though bill pullman thinks this guy is a murderer and is trying to figure him out and trying to get him to to confess or catch him in a lie um it also works really well as um as bill pullman is the only sort of through line of the center and he's not the main character really in at least the first season. He's, he's definitely not the main character. It is Jessica Beale's story, but it, it really feels like the third season completes his character arc. Like we've seen sort of the end of him and he, he's uh, he has like sciatica or some kind of, of really rough back problem and seems like on the verge of retiring or needing to retire, but kind of doesn't want to, and is kind of fighting back against his own, um, his own aging, his own mortality. And, and that sort of opens him up to be being sort of, uh, seduced by Matt Bomer's character because that character has a bunch of theories and, um, sort of strange, you know, getting yourself into situations where people get murdered is the only way to be alive sort of feeling to it. Um, it's just a, just an all around great, uh, eight episodes of television. Um, anyway, you slice it. Uh, if you were to just watch the third season, you'd be fine because there's enough of a disconnection between the other ones being, in the quasi anthology style that it is, but I would highly recommend watching season one as well. And while I didn't think season two was quite as great, um, it, it, it really brings a lot of gravitas to, uh, to follow Bill Pullman's character all the way through the three seasons. Uh, and I believe they're all only, you know, eight to 10 maybe episodes each. Um, but it just, it just came to, uh, to streaming. Uh, the, the, the shows were actually, uh, out on, uh, I think they were on another network or something before. I think it was AMC or USA or something like that. It's not one of those. Yeah. yeah I think it might've been USA too. So, um, I just, you know, I just saw it for the first time now that it's on demand. Um, I, be- I believe, I think I watched it on, I want to say, I know it's I want to say Netflix. Yeah, it's uh, Netflix. Yeah. And I think it just came out there like a week or so ago. Um, hmm. So that's where I watched the other two seasons as well. Um, and it would have... It's it's a show that would have really irritated me to have to wait a week between episodes. So it's great now that you can just binge through the whole thing if you're if you're in the mood for that. So 
Uh, Christine, what have you been watching lately? I have caught up on Prodigal Son because I was a week behind on that. Uh, so I caught up on that on that show, uh, which I think last time I talked about it, I said the wrong Sheen for some reason. It's Michael Sheen and not Martin Sheen, which is a terrible mistake oh, to make. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. I've done that terrible, too. <laughs> it's a terrible mistake. Um, but this last episode was great. Uh, so I highly recommend that show. Um, and then over the weekend, I watched the complete first season of uh, Tell Me Your Secrets on Amazon Prime. And the new show with Lily Rabe and Hamish Linklater. Uh, oh, yeah. Lily Rabe yeah. was in... Uh, uh, American Horror Story. And The Undoing. And Oh, yes. And The Undoing. I forgot she was in that, too. Because I have not seen that yet. But... Uh, <laughs> well, then <laughs> yeah. you probably didn't forget. You just... Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew she was in that. Mm. I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um... But I think the first few, the first, like, six episodes were really good. And then, like, it kind of petered off near the end. I don't want to give anything away if anybody's interested in watching it. Um, but the Gotta first... Gotta send Alicia a battery. <laughs> <laughs> if you do. I'm not right. going to. Okay. But okay. it's definitely interesting. What's the premise of the show? Uh, the premise of the show is that uh, Lily Rabe's character is in witness protection uh, because her boyfriend was a serial killer. Oh. And she is trying to figure out if she did or did not help him with that. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, Zach, did we ask you yet? I forget now. Nope, but I don't have anything to talk about oh. <laughs> so, all right let's just move I'll on just edit like we didn't have that conversation then um yeah so uh christine suggested a movie we watched it it was called risk cutters a love story um had any of us seen it before i have okay zach and aaron have seen it so um Nathan, let's start with you. What did you think of Risk Cutter's love story? Uh, you know, I I think this was one of those movies where I enjoyed watching it primarily because the cast was just, it was like, oh, I know the him, I know him, I know him, you know, and, and, and her and whatever. Um, I think it, I, I kind of enjoy these movies where they kind of do the science fiction uh, approach to, you know, what reality is. So like, you know, like The Lobster where, or any of that guy's movies, quite frankly, uh, where you're kind of set in a different reality with a different set of rules and, and that kind of thing. And this definitely did that. You were, you were kind of in limbo, if you will. Didn't, they never uttered the word limbo through the whole movie, but I'm assuming that's what this was supposed to be. Um, and so I, I think the the mechanics of the film worked really well for that, that from that standpoint, I don't know that I got a huge amount of joy watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, the whole, the whole premise is like, they're in this space where they can't laugh. They can't have joy. And it was just kind of like, it kind of needed that somehow. And it just wasn't there. Um, so I felt a little bit drug through the movie, even though it had this great cast. Um, but I'm kind of glad I watched it. I, 
I know about five more Go-Go Bordello songs now because of it than yeah. the Start Wearing Purple, which was the only song I really knew before, um, which I enjoyed that part a lot. Which Did you see Everything is Illuminated? Yes. No, I don't think so. Okay, we'll get into that more in a bit. <coughs> you will. <laughs> we'll get into that more in a bit. Go ahead. I that's uh, that's kind of my take on it. Like I think the casting was the main reason to watch this honestly. I mean, I'm 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 in like Flynn for anybody anytime they should cast Tom Waits in something cuz he's just he's amazing uh and really underutilized, but he always steals everything he he, he jumps into. So, I, yeah. I love him. Sadly, he's only in the last 30 minutes of this movie. So, yeah, and you know the um Will Forte, is that his name? Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Will Which Arnett. Will. You know, Will Forte also has a name, um, but he was not in this film. Right. Okay. So anyways, uh, you know, he was perfectly cast. I enjoyed him. I mean, yeah. I, so there, there was some fun stuff going on in it, but at the same time, it's like I was really hurting for, you know, some humor in it, I think. Because it, it's such a silly premise to begin with that it kind of needed just a little dose of something. I don't know. Yeah. That's my take. Alicia, how about you? Yeah, I think I felt a a very similar way. I really uh, did like all the people they had starring in it. I liked the entire premise of it. I thought it was very interesting. And, you know, of of course, if you're going to the bar, you would speculate on how everyone off themselves. Of course you would do that. Like that, that's just what you would do in that kind of a place. So I thought that was really fun. I really love, um, is his name Shea Wiggum? Yeah, the guy who put I, I, anytime <laughs> that guy is in something, I love him. He's yeah. he's great, and so uh, I loved him in Boardwalk probably, Empire. Uh, for for our listeners, um, probably the most uh, the most immediate thing that comes to mind is he's in the HBO Perry Mason reboot. Yeah, yeah, and I and I got to know him a lot more from Boardwalk Empire, an earlier HBO show that he did an excellent yeah. job in. Um, so I, I liked seeing him and I was like, wow, he's wrinkle free. Like I hadn't seen him. I don't think in something this early. Cause that man has, you know, he's, he, he's shown his withered, you know, life that he's had his rough life. And yeah, I mean, lines this was 15 years ago. So, right, right, right. I mean, it makes me kind of sad for myself in 15 years, but, but he's great. <laughs> and, and he's really fun in that part. I like the, the fact that his whole, <laughs> the whole Russian family, the whole immediate family have all off themselves. So they're all there together, which it was not an intention. They didn't all have some kind of suicide plot that they were all going to die together. They just all happened to commit suicide for different reasons. So I thought that was very interesting. The the weird black hole in the floorboards of the car yeah. kind of thing. Like, I really liked that. And yeah, like Will Arnett, of course. I mean, he's he's Job. I mean, basically, he's Job in the risk cutters world. You know what I mean? Like in suicide world. So he's going to do some magic trick that goes horribly wrong and, and kill himself and stuff like that. So there's a lot of um, really fun things about it. And just, you know, and, and the Tom Waits character, I totally agree. We needed more of him. And I love his whole little happy campers thing. And the the little miracles and all that kind of stuff. It j- I can't say the cult, the all the pieces put together really did it for me. It had lots of great little pieces, but for some reason I didn't get as much satisfaction out of it as a whole, but I'm really glad I watched it. Okay. Well, as the, the only other person that had not seen it before, um, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, it, uh, it, it felt sort of, um, I don't know. It, it, there was something kind of misplaced about uh, 
the overall plot. Uh, I had a hard time really connecting with the main character and and what he was trying to figure out. But I think that might have something to do with where I'm at in my life. Whereas if I were a bit younger and some of these things weren't, uh, weren't some of these things had not, I hadn't had the chance to figure out on my own, um, about life in general. Uh, I might've connected a little bit more with it. I think he learned some things that it's important that people learn in their twenties and early thirties, um, kind of his, his plot line and, and, and what he needs out of life going through it. Um, I also didn't connect with the love story aspect of the show at all. Um, I thought that the, uh, uh, what was her crazy name? Like McCann or something like that. McCall, I think McCall. Um, like that didn't do it for me. And I, you know, I, it was obvious to me from the beginning that, he was supposed to realize that she was a real relationship and that Desiree, a very uh, cheap play on the word desire <laughs> is not what he was after. Um, that, that, you know, uh, the whole idea of uh, that they kind of beat you over the head with once you, once you meet the Tom Waits character of, um, when it's effortless, when you don't want it, that's when it happens. That's when the miracle occurs. So like, stop trying to make, stop trying to manifest things in your life that you can't just manifest, like just wait for them to happen. Cause that's how things work. Um, that sort of thing. Um, I think it had a strong start because it started with the song dead and lovely from real gone by Tom Waits, which I was I had in my head for the entire rest of the movie, and I'll probably have in my head for a couple of days now, because um, that's just a really hooky earworm of a song. Uh, then there's the strong Gogol Bordello connection, where they have a bunch of Gogol Bordello songs, and that brings us to Everything is Illuminated, which came out a year before this movie, and is basically this movie, but better? <laughs> Um, the lead singer of Golgo Bardello plays Shay Wigham's character in that movie. And Elijah Wood is the lead. And in that movie, Elijah Wood is really interested in finding out artifacts and information about his, uh, his ancestry who, uh, fled Russia because they were Russian Jews in the, time of Stalin and world war two and all of that sort of stuff. So he's going back and the, the main guy from global Bordello is like helping him get around. I think, I think his name is Alex in the movie, but he's like helping him get around and find things. And Alex and his family have kind of a similar sort of Russian craziness, uh, thing going on in their lives. Um, very over the top, crazy, silly family sort of thing. Um, almost like, uh, uh, hanging out with Ninja and his family in that, uh, uh, 
that silly chappy movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, Golgo Bordello is all over that soundtrack. Um, they actually appear as a band when Leisurewood gets to the train station and they like welcome him in town by playing a song for him. And uh, Start Wearing Purple is the like final track of the movie and it plays over the credits. And if it doesn't make you a fan of Google Bordello, then you're never going to like Google Bordello. So um, I would watch an entire movie about Tom Waits and Will Arnett fighting for the custody of a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That is a movie I want. Um, T-bone steaks, man. Thick cut. Yeah. Every part of that subplot that was going on in this movie was great. And I would have welcomed so much more of it. Uh, I thought all of that stuff was, was fantastic. Um, there's really only like one scene that Tom Waits was in where I thought his acting was a little off and weak, but, uh, it was like when he, uh, when he finds them on the beach after they wake up and they're all covered in condoms and hypodermic needles, um, there's something off about his acting, but maybe it's just cause he has a condom in his collar that he pulls out and throws, throws away. Um, and then uh, the ending of this movie, which I can talk about because all of you have seen it, uh, <laughs> so I'm not spoiling anything. No batteries. But it's very much uh, it's very much the Jacob's Ladder uh, premise, and very much the incident at Alcrete Bridge, which is where Jacob's Ladder got the uh, idea from. Uh, which an incident at Alcrete Bridge is a story that takes place all in the seconds while a, a soldier is being hanged off the side of a bridge in his mind, he escapes and goes on this whole adventure. And then the story ends with him hanging. Um, Cause all that just happened in his head. So, um, and that's how the movie Jacob's ladder goes as well. Uh, which if you listen to the, uh, the, Fantastic podcast uh, of uh, Why Did This Get Made, the movie podcast. Um, They're always talking about whether or not movies are a Jacob's Ladder scenario or not. And this movie is is bang on a Jacob's Ladder scenario. So um, not, not my favorite. Um, glad I got to watch it. Um, it, it. It was worth it for the the idea of a of a tom waits will arnett uh battle movie but uh uh beyond that uh not not my thing so uh zach how about you well i think josh actually we didn't didn't get to go did josh oh. had seen it though right no i hadn't seen nope. it. Oh, okay yeah i just didn't want to go first for once so yeah thank you um <laughs> yeah uh <coughs> Yeah, so um, first, got to agree with Nathan that uh, the casting, whoever cast this movie had their finger on the pulse like years ahead of time. Nick Offerman, like nobody knew who Nick Offerman was when this movie was made. Um, Put him in a little bit part, though. Um, Yeah, Shea Wiggum, everybody is just incredible. Yeah, Nick Offerman Uh, spent more time in makeup than he did in the movie. (laughs) In the movie, right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yeah. so uh, road movies and romances are both really hard to pull off. I feel like, um, no just pun because intended. of 
Yeah, right. Oh, dear. Uh, it's a three-hander. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, was there three-hand in the car? I don't know. <laughs> That's what the big dark hole was supposed to represent. Represent. Oh, oh the, dear. The dog oh, was a three-hander. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> oh, Freud. Um, so, yeah. Um, the... Uh, I don't know the road movies. I've seen so many road movies, so it's hard to make one that comes off kind of new and fresh or whatever. I feel like this succeeded more as a road movie than as a romance movie for me. Um, the it's really hard to sell a good romance uh, in an hour and a half. I feel like um, a lot of people recommended this movie to me when it came out because um, I guess it has like a vibe that I would. I would get into. Um, I, I would have probably thought this is a, a Josh type movie movie. Right. Yeah. And you're not alone. A lot of people did. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It's I, I'm just been struggling to figure out my opinion on it though, for the past few days. Um, Cause uh, it wasn't unlikable, but it wasn't, it's not going to be like one of my favorites that I go back and rewatch or anything. Um, but uh, I did laugh several times. I, I found it pretty amusing. Um, but I got lost in the mechanics of it, where I really wanted to know the world building. Like I started, I, I started not paying attention to the plot because I wanted to know, like, well, what is the deal with what this are the place? Rules? What are the rules? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you're not excited by the black hole under the seat, but if a f- match flies into the air, you're astonished. And I don't understand like where the miracles start and stop and all that. So I, I just, I really wanted to this to either be an 18 hour movie or a short film that was like 20 minutes or something. Um, but yeah, mostly I, I think I enjoyed it on the whole. Um, but I don't know when I'll come back and revisit it to per se. Yeah. Okay. So it was Aaron and Zach that had seen it before, right? Yep. Okay. So Zach, now. Yeah. I or saw Josh, this around. <laughs> it could be both. Um, Try to talk at the was, same time. Okay. Uh, here. No, no, no improv things. Um, uh, 2010-ish, I think, is when I first saw this. I was dating someone who was like, you got to watch this film. It's really great. Uh, and I really loved it then. And on the rewatch, I loved it again. I had moments that I really enjoyed and laughed at. Um, Dale, I, I think you were onto something in terms of life. Yeah. Um, I watched that when I was in, you know, my 20, late 20s, and now I'm in my late 30s. Definitely a different situation I, I, uh, and different connection. That was it, my you know? sense of it. I feel like if I had watched it when I was like 21 or 22, it would have really had an impact on me. Um, but not so much in my 40s. So, yeah. And I, uh, I saw this film actually was what got me into Gogo Bordello and Tom Waits. Uh, music respectively and um and then i also then after this watched everything is illuminated pretty much like almost right after yeah. um and loved that as well so for you know for me there are two films that i thought at the time were phenomenal i really just enjoyed them um and i i, I think that just on this rewatch um kind of funny because I, I this is one that i 
I tend to watch the movies by myself, um, and I recommended this one to my wife to watch with me, um, just because I would be interested in to hear what she had to say. And and yeah, she was just not that into it. She was very critical of it. Yeah. Uh, she had lots of opinions about it, and I told her that I would uh, get those opinions right over to the producers and let them know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but um, no, this is this was a fun one. I, I liked the, a lot of the little moments and. Um, like what Josh was saying, you know, definitely, I think in terms of a road movie kind of works for me in that regard where it's not like a road trip, you know, where it's like the, the gross out gags and stuff. No Tom Green um, telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, Tom Waits was a, a real fun watch with this and all of the other casting choices were great. Um, especially it's fun to watch it now. Um, and you know, seeing them again, like Shay Wiggum back then, to now and now all of these what all of these actors are doing and where they're at and whatnot um and then i think like yeah overall uh for me like the world world building stuff would have been uh, i think i focused a little bit more on that this time too where it's like um where i've come in my own just uh life and professionalism uh with film and television and stuff being like oh yeah that that is interesting to think about like like what do they do on a daily basis what happens to will arnett when he kills himself again you know like yeah. they don't go into these little these little bits um but then they you know but they did focus on that gas station pretty heavily and like that's a that's like a rule about the gas station where it's like what were you thinking about when it happened and of course they like go through all of these. So it's like they pick and choose which places in the world they want to build on. Um, and I think I could definitely watch more of that world building situation yeah. uh, if it was, if it was made or applicable or whatnot. So um, yeah, I, I'm really super glad that I was able to revisit this one. It's, it's one that kind of escaped my memory for a little while, but when it was mentioned, I was like, yes, that's definitely a film that I, I loved and, and I, I had a great time with the rewatch. Too. Yeah, something I just thought of that I forgot to mention was um, I, I picked up pretty much immediately on uh, when Shea Wiggum told the main character that uh, a girl that says I'll be right back isn't coming back. I was like, that that's the point of this movie. That That's what the main character needs to learn. Like as soon as they said yeah. that, I was like, that's going to be the point. And I wrote it down like maybe they don't make that clear by the end. But then they have the voiceover where it's like, okay, in case you weren't paying attention to this movie, here's all the stuff that <laughs> actually makes makes or is important about what uh, what he learned and what, what came out. So, um, so yeah, that, that came back yeah. and like, oh, okay. Aaron? <laughs> You know, I, I watched it back when I was in college, uh, around the age of 21, 22. Um, and I remember enjoying it a lot back then. I don't know if that was because I had a huge crush on Shannon Sossman or what. But I found myself really enjoying the movie a lot more than I did on rewatch. Um, there there were some funny parts in it. Uh, parts I laughed obscenely hard at like um where the the kid is threatening to hang himself unless he gets told the meaning of life and Shay Wiggum just slaps the, him he talks the kid down and there's like this uplifting music and then all of a sudden just smacks him and I'm like what the it was he's great. like and that worked for several more years <laughs> 
that was all I needed. And, uh, yeah, and there were parts like that that made me laugh. Um, but at the end, it just like I I got drawn into the minutia of it and and like tearing apart the 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 math. Like, oh, he's been dead for months by the time she shows up. So how are they both in the hospital at the same time at the end? Because it's yeah, a Jacob's um, Ladder scenario and time doesn't matter in the in purgatory. Yeah. Or how are they even in the same place? It, it doesn't matter. The, exactly. So much got in the way of me enjoying it this time. Um the movie still has its place, but it's not one I will go back and watch. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, Christine, it's tradition on this show um, to ask of the suggester, what the hell? Why did we watch this? <laughs> so I first got introduced to this movie when I was in high school. Um, and <laughs> weirdly enough, was suggested to me by a guy that I had a crush on. Nice. So I yes, it was great. So obviously I went out and I watched it first thing I could, and I fell in love with it. And I was like, "Oh, this movie is so great!" And then I uh, didn't watch it for a few years, and I found it again in college, and rewatched it, and like all the little things just about them driving and when. Zia drops his glasses down the black hole and he was like, are you doing this on purpose just to hurt me? And just reminded me of me and my best friend and just like all those crazy things we would say to each other on road trips. And uh, and then I I saw as I do when <laughs> when I watch movies that it was based on a short or on a novella. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought that and Strangely enough, uh, in the novella, it's uh, there's no McCall character, uh, and they're all Middle Eastern. Okay. And it's called Neller's Happy Campers, and most of the story takes place at Neller's camp. That makes sense. So it's, yeah, it's a lot better as a novella. Yeah. <laughs> completely gets rid of all the... Complaints about the romance, uh, and it yeah, because uh, the philosophical stuff at the end is kind of the heart of the movie, right? And and yeah. so yeah, that's like apart yeah. from our complaints about not getting enough Tom Waits and Will Arnett, you know, I can imagine yeah. from a story perspective that that's where the the meat of it would be at. Yes, it's really good. The novella is really good, uh, and it brings up a lot of different philosophical things that would be more relevant uh, to the background being Middle Eastern and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they completely got rid of it by moving it, obviously, to a more Americanized background. Um, yeah. I feel like they but- shot it in, like, <laughs> Arizona or Nevada or something like that. And just found like abandoned buildings and like that's where you can find like abandoned gas stations <laughs> that you could just like stick an open sign on and pretend is is a post apocalypse gas station. Yeah, but I really love the soundtrack to the movie. Uh 
and that song that they sing uh, in the car. The Gogo uh, Bordello song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It gets stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. Like every year it gets stuck in my head and I text it to my best friend who I made who I made watch the movie in college and we just have the greatest time. So the so. F- f- a funny aside about that is that uh I don't know sometime in the last week or so um you posted the opening lyrics to that song on Facebook. Yes. And I did. at that point <laughs> I had not watched the movie and yeah. didn't know the song and in response i posted the tom Waits song underground as a reply so yeah, I know. not knowing I the connection at all it. i hadn't watched it and i like still picked a tom Waits song i i threw yeah. the song underground by tom Waits off of swordfish trombones on there uh which is like maybe the first tom Waits song i ever heard so um I, it was perfect. Yeah, I took. Uh, I, I was a percussionist in high school, and uh, learning the marimba, we we really got into swordfish trombones. That that album has a lot of marimba parts on it. So, oh, I also forgot to mention I saw Gogo Bordello um, at Bonnaroo one year, and wow, <laughs> was that an experience? That sounds insane. They played. For four hours straight, starting at two o'clock in the morning, I was tripping on mushrooms, having the time of my life, watching about 50 people on stage. They left the stage at many points. They would come out into the crowd. It was insane. It was beautiful. It was was amazing. I mean, like if you guys ever have a chance to see them perform live, do it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a band that actually like justifies the number of people that are in it. Yep. Um with that like uh that sort of uh Russian Jewish folk music kind of thing that they that they have uh in a lot of their songs. I've always kind of imagined the experience of watching them being similar to watching uh, They Might Be Giants. Cuz it's it's a very similar like if you've ever if you've never seen They Might Be Giants live, it's kind of a similar deal where they play the shit out of their songs. I mean, it's not just like, cause you listen to their albums and it's very overproduced and it's, it's sort of funny, but when they play it live, it's like, you're going to like a Russian wedding or something. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see the, the similarities in the performance, but the similarities in like the feel of being in the crowd, being at a Google Bordello show is like, you're with a giant family at the show. Whereas they might be giants is very much still, you know, there's a performance going on and people are watching it and enjoying it. Um, who got yeah. into they might be giants at, you know, different times in their lives. People that were like early fans of theirs who stopped listening at John Henry and other people that, you know, just got into them last year and have never heard flood. So uh, <laughs> it's a very, very strange experience to see the IP Giants. Um, I actually met and talked uh, to John Flansburg for about 25 minutes uh, back in probably 97, 98 um, when they were doing a show in town. Uh, I, well, in town. When they were doing a show in St. Louis, which was the closest town to where I lived. Uh, in town? Yes. 
Yes, that's where my extended family, including Christine, one of my almost yep. 50 first cousins is from. So I'm on the older end of that spectrum and she's kind of in the middle of the age group. So I'm on the older side of my other side of the family. Yeah. My dad's <laughs> an only just child. About as many. My dad's an only child. So <clears throat> <laughs> my mom having seven brothers and seven sisters made up for it. So, oh my God. My mom is not an only child, though. Right. No, she's <laughs> in a big family, too. So, yeah. My mom is one of 11, and my dad is on his, is his mom's brother. So, yeah. Yeah. Her dad is the youngest of the 15. Yeah. Uh, so, Catholics, yeah. baby. <laughs> Woo! Good at making more Catholics. Yep. <laughs> You guys were talking about like the the age range or whatever when you needed to kind of see this to make it feel kind of impactful. And yeah. The, fir- the first movie that kind of popped in my head, I think, was probably Boyhood, which I saw way too late in life to even come close to enjoying. I'm, I'm curious if any of you guys have seen that one and liked it at all. Saw it. Yeah. It's not great. I related more to the parents' story. I didn't – the kid I couldn't care less about. But the Ethan Hawke and um, – oh. Who's the lady in the movie? Um, One of the... Patricia Arquette. Yeah, Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Arquette. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Their story really engaged me. Yeah. And I got really... Yeah. I felt like, like I thought that, that, mo- that movie should have been about Patricia Arquette's character. Yeah. Um, she was way more interesting. But... Uh, For sure. Yeah. I can see that, though, Nathan, where, you know, if you were an 18-year-old watching that, it might have been... And it, especially if you were, like sort of the same age as the kid because the big thing with that movie is that they shot it in pieces over 12 years as that actor right. grew up um which was a huge risk like maybe this kid's not going to be a great actor um <laughs> maybe he's going to hit 14 and just suck and uh we're stuck with him for another 6 years but uh uh yeah that wasn't his performance wasn't my problem with the movie it was more of a they didn't really map out the story that well. And yeah. uh, it seems like the, the parent story was, was much was the developed part of it and the, and the better part of it. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, and there's other movies like that. Um, I can't think of, of one off the top of my head, um, uh, particularly a, one off the top of my head that I would have uh, said to someone in high school that they should watch, uh, to, to better understand me um, or that sort of thing. Um, I, I did have a novel that I used to recommend people read um, who were getting involved with me, um, but I won't reveal what it is or what it's about because uh, it's really fucking embarrassing now. So um, I have to talk to Hannah. <laughs> uh, if she can remember it, I have told her what it is, and I think she's read it. But if if she can remember what it is um, after her uh, after her memory problems in 2011, then uh, then more power to you for for uh-huh. being able to to coax it out of her. Uh, <laughs> um, as far as um, movies that I would recommend that kind of have a similar idea to them. Uh, there's a movie called The Rover with Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson that came out a few years ago. 
Uh, it is set in post-apocalyptic Australia and has kind of a similar philosophical thing of Guy Pierce teaching Robert Pattinson how to live in this post-apocalyptic world. Um, it's one of the movies that I recommend to people who say that Robert Pattinson can't act because uh, it was one of the one of the early examples uh, or counterexamples of that. Um, he's fantastic in it. Guy Pierce is also fantastic in it. Um, and that movie is, uh, uh, much better structured and much better, uh, has much more of a good sort of moving plot line going on in it. Uh, more philosophical than Mad Max, but beyond the fact that it's also post-apocalyptic Australia, it does have some sort of Mad Max qualities to it as well so does anyone else have uh suggestions or recommendations for our listeners see uh this movie made me think of uh what what dreams may come robin Williams. okay it made me think of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but almost yeah. every movie i watch makes me think of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, uh, now that I have a, a PlayStation five, um, I, I finally have a 4k Blu-ray player in the house. And, um, right about the time I was, I was looking at getting one, uh, they made a, a really nice 4k restoration of Requiem for a dream. Um, so, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but. I've got that, and I've got a 4K copy of the Lego movie that I'm going to break out one day. Um, very Do not different. put them in the wrong cases. They're very yeah, different. Really. Uh, but uh, I, I've heard that the Lego movie is one of the like greatest looking 4K movies uh, with it, you know the HDR color spectrum and all of that stuff. And uh, the Lego movie was actually uh, my favorite movie the year it came out. So 2014, I believe um, that was sort of the year of Chris Pratt for me because it was that and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy were my number one and number two that year. So, well, it is my turn to suggest a movie uh, for us to watch next. And the movie that I am suggesting, I'm, I've been looking forward to sharing this movie with you guys for uh, a couple of years now. Uh, I saw it at TIFF. It premiered uh, on the same circuit uh, a night after uh, Parasite premiered at TIFF to give you an idea of of how uh, spectacular this was. Uh, the director of Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, was there, uh, and he and the director of the movie I'm suggesting uh, were hanging out, and people were just sort of walking around them and taking pictures and freaking out that these two guys were hanging out together. Uh, it is Takashi Miike's First Love. Oh, I love that movie. Yes. Awesome. So uh, that is finally out on streaming services, and it's a great introduction to Takashi Miike, who makes really, really great but incredibly bizarre uh, films. Um, the movie of his that I saw first was a movie called Audition back in 1999. 
which is a a very challenging uh, movie to watch. <laughs> um, the Fine Art Theater here in Kansas City had uh, a gimmick with that movie when they showed it that said that if you could make it through the movie without uh, using the restroom to vomit, that you could get your uh, ticket price refunded. So, wow. Uh, so I saw it for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be next. But thanks to everybody uh, for discussing Wrist Cutter's A Love Story. And thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Thank you.